Welcome to episode 13 of Teacher's Lift. In this episode, our hosts from PolyU extend the reach of the Teacher's Lift by bringing in perspectives from the City University of Hong Kong. Jessica and Eric are chatting with Tim Burkett, who specializes in assessment issues over at CityU, about how they've been managing during the past academic year. Welcome to The Lift, Tim. We're looking forward to hearing how everyone has been doing over there. And now I'll pass things over to Jessica and Eric. Welcome to The Lift, everybody. there getting there so welcome back everybody a big hello to you wherever you may be in hong kong or elsewhere in the world we are back here in the teachers lift for yet another installment and we thank you for taking the time out of your busy day your busy week your busy month to be with here to be with us here today um, my name is eric tyndall and uh, i'm joined of course by jessica shah and if this is the first time first time you're with us uh, we're from the English Language Center at the Hong Kong Polytechnic University. And uh, today is somewhat of a milestone day, Jessica. Yeah. Do you know why? Well, it's almost the end of the semester. <laughs> but also, we have someone very special with us today. The first interviewee from CityU. So we have with us Mr. Tim Rickett. Hi, Tim. Hi. Hi, Jessica. Hi, Eric. Hi, how are you doing? Okay, okay, at City U, yeah. Um, Great to hear that. Yeah. So, uh, Tim is actually uh, the person who manages their assessments. So, I guess he'll be sharing a lot with us about how their assessments turned online, like what they could share with us, what we can learn from that, and maybe what we can take away from this experience and try to implement that into our semester, hopefully face-to-face -face later on. So hi, Tim. Um, maybe you could just uh, start us off by maybe sharing why you got into assessments, like what interests you or how you got into assessments. Yeah, um, it's, it, it started, I mean, soon after I became a teacher. Uh, a few years ago now. Um, I guess it just um, tied in with various hobbies of mine. Um, interest in board games, an interest in uh, weird interest in uh, instructions and making things clear for, for, for people, trying to anyway. And then also sort of an interest in, in being fair, being fair for students and so on. So all of those sort of tied in and um, when an op opportunity, when I joined CityU, where I am now, um, to help develop an assessment, um, I took it and was very interested and learned quite a lot in that process of developing my first ever assessment. And it got used as a part of our placement test at the time. And um, from there, the manager that guided me at that point suggested I did more work and um, that sort of um, got me going. And then I... Um, was able to join um, the management, uh, not the management team, the, uh, the assessment team in our center. So we have uh, a, an independent assessment team that manages the assessments of our language center in CityU here. Um, and then was able to learn a lot from the, the other people in that team and eventually got involved with uh, sort of an external examinations board in, in Hong Kong here and just was able to build up my experience like that. And yeah, wow. so that's how I got in. Yeah. Thank you. you. You mentioned your first ever assessment that you created. Could you share with us what 
that is. Uh, what it was? Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah it is was it a... still being used now? I, I thought you said it's... Oh, yeah. Um, no, not for a while. Oh, no, I okay. did see it. Um, I remember it was, it was a reading test. Okay. And the subject was philosophy, uh, wow. interestingly enough. And the, the, the students at first, when we piloted it, were very concerned that they didn't know anything about philosophy. I remember that feature, but I don't remember much else about it. But it seemed uh, to be okay. okay. So, yeah. Um, yeah so it was it an cool. English language course or like a yes. philosophy course? Yeah, oh, it was for an English language course, but the text was happened to philosophy. be philosophy. Yeah. Wow. Why did you choose that subject? Do you remember uh, that? <laughs> it was, yeah, I was desperately looking for text. Anyone who's developed a reading test, yeah. the looking for the text is the trickiest mm -hmm. bit. So um, when I found a suitable length, suitable mm -hmm. level of language, mm -hmm. uh, something that's kind of interesting, I, I jumped on that. And then, oh. Eric, do you have you taught that or have you used that test before? Because you know Tim back from City U, right? <laughs> I well, yeah, I don't remember that test specifically, <laughs> but uh, I did. I did major in philosophy, and I do know. Yeah, it's not oh. it's not an easy subject uh, <laughs> to assess, and certainly not one of the uh, the more popular ones among the students. Um, <laughs> so, so Tim, I guess we're we're getting to the uh, the end of the semester now. We're, we're yeah. kind of wrapping up the spring, not just at you know, City U or other universities in Hong Kong, but um, at many other places in the world. Uh, we're yeah. wrapping up the spring semester. And uh, a lot of teachers are, you know, they're, they're, they're asking this question, how can I conduct an end of the semester assessment in an yeah. online format? Yeah. Do, do you have any suggestions? For that? <laughs> a good question. That's been our, our real focus. Um, it's kind of tricky, kind of easy. Um, I mean, I think if you can't control the environment that the student is in, then it's very hard to make it 100% uh, reliable in the sense you're not, you're never entirely sure that the student can be taking it without some sort of element of teaching. But there is a lot of technology to help. Um, and students themselves tend not to go down that route, I think. So I think that's just bearing in mind that the scores generated from the tests are unlikely to be quite as reliable is the first big thing. So when it comes to moderating after the test, bearing that in mind. Um, but generally, I mean, knowing the sort of technology is out there is is the biggest thing. So when it comes to writing, which is probably what university tests, language tests are often most focused on, um, making use of say um, plagiarism checking software turn it in is the obvious one um, keeping a fairly tight lid on the time limit to stop excess time and uh, allowing students to, to to have too much time perhaps helps as well um, so these are elements that we're, we're making the most of um, when it comes to like discrete item tests it's trickier like reading and listening because uh, it's it's easier for maybe students to help each other off uh, off in their own environments. Um, so we're, we're trying to make use of physical ways to make that as hard as possible. So using uh, like online software to vary the questions given to each student from an item bank, mix up the order of the items where it's possible, very tightly control the time limit so they have less time, uh, have not, not too much time to do these things. Um, so these are all elements that we are taking into account. To go further than that, there are like online invigilation tools 
like uh, lockdown, um, uh, lockdown browser, and um, like respondus on top of that with webcams, so you can see what the students are doing. And after thinking a lot about using those packages, we were not sure they provided enough of an advantage, enough reliability, without adding a lot of potential technological issues that might occur. Um, and we figured ultimately that even on a video, um, students who, who are really dedicated to cheating the system can find ways to do it. So in the end, we opted on the more physical measures like mixing up questions and so on um, to make it harder for students to help each other out offline and controlling the time limit. Um, but we, uh, I am working with a course coordinator in our centre who's very keen on um, practising the use of this technology. So we are piloting it on a small cohort of students to see how it goes for the future. Um, so maybe using just video invigilation so that students capture themselves on video. But one other feature we're trying as well, which is university advice here at CityU, is to recommend students to video record themselves on their own devices so that they have a record um, over the period of their taking the exam of how they acted and that they really were taking the exam. And then they can use that video if they want to um, submit to us. And the, 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 yeah, I mean, we, we felt that got around that sort of the stress that being videoed constantly for two or three hours adds on a student. Like we didn't want that to impact them when they were taking the test because it's something else we're learning from talking to our students and sort of asking them about this process of videoing themselves, that a lot of them are quite stressed showing the videos in classes because of what's going on in the background. In Hong Kong, they may be in very small apartments with family members and all kinds of other things. So we were cautious about insisting on live streaming videos for a long period of time. Yeah. And our last consideration is once we've got the videos, we have to then act on them or not act on them and that whole process is a whole other consideration so we're piloting that side of of online invigilation but we're not going too deep into it this mm. semester with so many other factors going involved yeah what type of assessment is the pilot like uh mm. you said the small course that you're piloting this, mm. uh, like, this what type of assessment is that <clears throat> there's a reading test element um, and a writing test element. So um, we're the, the sort of they have to write an essay in one part of it and then answer some some sort of typical reading test type questions in another part. So we'll, we'll see uh, because it's a much smaller cohort, we can deal with issues on a much closer level. So if there are problems, we're better able to, to, to deal with them uh, without sort of causing the students undue stress and um, deal with them promptly. So I think that's the main thing, um, mm. working out ways to deal with that. Mm. Yeah. You, you talked about writing, reading, and listening. Do you have any, let's say, large-scale speaking assessments or mm. just a group or yes. uh, individual speaking assessments towards the end of the semester? <clears throat> yes, um, these are the interest, kind of interesting to, to, to work with. Um, we've got two kinds of assessments. One of our courses, we have like a one-to-one -one consultation type assessment, sort of talking about their independent learning practices over the semester. Oh, that's so, very interesting. Mm, yeah, it's a nice assessment. And normally it's done teacher to student in class time, but sort of at the, the end of the, the semester. Um, so we wanted to keep that interactive nature. So we're trying that on Zoom, but it's sort of just teacher to student 
one by one. Um, so yeah, at CityU we're using Zoom as our primary interface with students. Mm-hmm. Um, so we can set up various functions like waiting rooms to queue up mm-hmm. students, um, and then the teacher can control when the student comes in. And um, uh, again, it's a fairly small cohort. So if there are connection problems, which is the big problem, we can we have the time to deal with that. Mm-hmm. So we have other courses which involve almost a thousand students. And so we're mm-hmm. being very cautious about live mm-hmm. Zoom streaming because a lot mm-hmm. of students may have mm-hmm. connection issues or they may be in other countries, um, which is a problem. Uh, potentially a problem so um what we're doing with our other bigger courses we have several presentation assessments um and we're instead of doing those live we're requiring students to record them on video and submit them mm-hmm. um sort of asynchronously like that mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. that allows the students time to make sure the videos are well recorded and they have mm-hmm. the time to to to, to and the, the the sufficient ability to record them securely mm-hmm without necessitating a, an internet contact. Yeah. Sorry, so I'm just personally, uh, sorry for interrupting, but I'm just oh. personally really interested in that assessment that you just described, mm. the, the reflection. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. How, how do you assess a student's reflection? <laughs> it's tricky. It's very tricky. Um, it, 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 it comes down to, first of all, I mean, are they able to, to look back on what they did and sort of think for themselves how valuable the different aspects were. So we look at that reflective side um, and are they able to, to talk about how well things went, how they do things in the future, did they set goals for themselves and so on. Um, and then we also look at sort of their choices they made during the semester. So did they choose good activities, did they work towards a plan? Um, were they uh, sort of able to adjust their plans if something went wrong? So we we try to keep it loosely assessed. Um, it's not worth a huge amount of marks in the course, but it does, we find it, it's quite nice to do this in a consultation format. So we can ask questions um, a little bit like IELTS part two, part, part three, where they have like a monologue, uh, part one and part two, sorry, a monologue on what they did, and then we ask some questions about it. So probing into what they did. And generally, students that didn't put too much effort in find it harder to talk one-to-one about what they did and why they did things. It, it gets more generic. So you're looking for generic students can do this answers for, for perhaps less reflection. But it takes a bit of training in the class as well, how to reflect. Um, mm. So it's... Um, it's an, it's nice, but it's it's very tricky to reflect it. So we don't want to mm-hmm. put too much emphasis on that in the course. Mm-hmm. Yeah, ab- absolutely. It's a it's a challenging skill, uh, teaching yeah. reflection and uh, yeah. assessing reflection. And yeah. Everybody kind of reflects in their own different way. So that's mm-hmm. another that's another element uh, yeah. that adds another challenge there. Yeah. Um, we a few weeks ago we had uh, Andy Jarvis on. Uh, oh, yeah. Polly, you yeah, you may know him. He's the um, he, he, he helps run the assessments at PolyU. Mm. And we asked, him, we asked him a question, which he later said was the most challenging question he had. <laughs> uh, so I wanna, I, wanna ask that, I wanna ask it to you too, yeah. uh, to, see, to see what your answer is. Um, so in your experience, uh, you know, running the assessments at CityU this, um, this, this semester mm. in an online format, uh, have you come across or have you discovered any assessment tasks that actually work 
much, much better than they do <laughs> in an online format than they would in a classroom or in a, yeah. in a face-to-face situation. I mean, I, this is an interesting question. I guess a simple answer would be no, not <laughs> much, much better, I would say. Um, what I think has been really valuable, and in some ways some assessment tasks are improved by using computers, mm. but perhaps not the online part of that. Um, I think being online, just is that difficulty of not being able to control the environment that the student is answering in throws up so many problems for reliability and validity in the assessments um, that are tricky to deal with, but possible. But I think the use of computers for us, because most of our exams are traditionally done like in exam halls on paper and pen. So the addition of computers to essay writing tasks perhaps make it more authentic because we don't do much handwriting of things nowadays uh, using writing software, Microsoft Word or whatever makes it a much more natural task. Sort of editing becomes a bit more natural. Um, but I mean, that's hard to arrange in an exam hall. So doing that from, from home, from computers is a good opportunity, I think. And likewise, being able to conduct the reading and listening type discrete item test on computers is nice for the data we can get. Um, um, we can analyze the tests more accurately when it's all done on computer. Um, and some of the, the features of using a computer help with that potentially. But again, being online and doing it at a distance throws up issues with that, I think. Um, and maybe in the speaking assessments, there are advantages mm. being online because it might reduce some of the nervousness of students right. um, being in a room one to one with a teacher or presenting in front of a crowd. I mean, that's possibly a benefit for a number of students and that can be slightly more carefully controlled and you know it's it, they're doing it live so to speak or, or presenting doing their best on a presentation on a video and so it's harder for them to, to sort of avoid the, the the controls we put in place so maybe that has that 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 might offer the biggest advantages so using computers is is an interesting opportunity but being online uh, is frustrating some challenges there, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's exactly. where the challenges. How about the? Um, yeah, you, you mentioned the speaking assessments may mm -hmm. may work better uh, in this format. Mm -hmm. And what we 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 were talking about a couple weeks ago uh, with Andy was that, uh, you know, since now so much of the communication is moving online, so much of business communication, so much yeah. of you know uh, people's interactions, especially over the last two months, have have moved. <laughs> have moved to a, a computer, a digital and online format. Um, yeah. You know, and any, any assessment that's assessing communication, spoken communication, such as a job interview task, yeah. or, um, you know, some kind of a, a online yeah. presentation, that these, these may be good options in an online format. Yeah. I think it's interesting as well. I mean, I guess people around the world are thinking, how will the world change after mm. this huge, um, catastrophe, I guess. Um, and I guess one of the ways it's likely to change is more online communication um, in the business world, um, uh, maybe in, in academia and so on. So yeah, I mean, assessments that promote that sort of um, skill um, could be extremely useful. Um, one might think that, that more meetings will go online and so on. 
So I think, I mean, adjusting our speaking assessments to more accurately test those skills would be a longer term goal, but it might be something that we look into for the future. At the moment, we're sort of retrofitting normal presentations right. into video form, but maybe the consultation presentation, a consultation oral exam is a, an example where it, it quite naturally works through yeah. this. Um, so yeah, that, that's an interesting opportunity perhaps, yeah. So you will be looking into like how these elements can become mm. like permanent fixtures in let's say your future assessments. Possibly so, yeah. Um, I think it will be nice to have the experience of going through this in a semester. I mean, I think everyone is so busy just struggling to keep up, whether it's with the teaching or preparing for exams this semester. It would be nice to have, like for us, summer is a quieter time to plan and prepare. So we'll have a bit more time to reflect on how we can turn these experiences into something a bit more long-term. Mm -hmm. um, whether we have to have another term, semester, year, who knows, with online elements, or whether we bring in the online elements to our normal semesters. Mm -hmm. Interesting opportunities, I think. Um, mm. And I think it's, you know, if we can get some advantages, it would be silly not to explore some of these. So having a bit of downtime after our initial experience, we might be able to explore some more features of running them online as securely as possible. Mm. Let's say if we have to do this again, all over again in September. Yeah. <laughs> do you think like we're all better prepared for that? <laughs> um, Yes, I suppose so. Um, yeah, especially we'll have a few months before then to prepare, to plan. I mean, summer, certainly in our centre, we have smaller cohorts of students. We can trial a few things. Now that we've got systems in place that we've developed for this, the end of this semester, we might be able to use them more easily to try other things. We have kind of a control to test other alternatives against. Mm -hmm. So I think this is a very... Uh, it, it's a good point. I think by September, we'll be a better in place to see if we want to make permanent changes or to mm -hmm. um, if we have to make mm -hmm. similar teaching arrangements, how to do them. Better. Mm -hmm. yeah. Even if we like we're able to meet with students face to face, like I personally just think it might be interesting to offer online options to students and yeah. see like what, what they would actually choose. You know, sometimes yeah. uh, we hear feedback from students saying, I actually prefer this being online or, you know, I actually prefer doing this assessment online. Yes. So, yeah. So like, it might be interesting to know, okay, if, if we're offering you two options, how would students choose? And that's something yeah. I'm, I'm quite interested in for the yeah. coming semester. I think that's a really nice point as well to see what the students think. Um, I mean, chatting with some students, it's kind of mixed. There are those that miss the classroom days and those that like the online elements to things. And one of our assessments in one of our courses is actually student-led research projects where they have to interview and run questionnaires to other students. And a lot of groups chose this topic to research, like what are your opinions of the online semester or the online assessments? So those assessments are all due in in the next few days for us. So I'll be quite interested to read what my students discovered when they talked to other students, um, see what they recommended, like writing these IMRAD papers. Hmm. Maybe we'll have you on again and you can share those findings with us. <laughs> yes, I will do, yeah. I and mean, it's really nice that we can use that assessment to, to, to get a gauge on what our students think mm -hmm. to some extent yeah and we're also conducting some research into what our students think with 
how things are going. So we'll maybe issue a questionnaire to our students after the assessments are finished to see what they think. Go ahead, Eric. I was going to say, speaking of how are things, how are things going, uh, I mm. want to, I want to switch gears a little bit, Tim, yeah. um, away from the assessment bit and more towards, um, you know, how, how the online experience is at CityU in particular. Mm. Um, yeah. I remember you mentioned, you mentioned before the show uh, that CityU is one of the uh, earliest adopters of yeah. Zoom, uh, or one of the, you made the early leap to Zoom. I believe uh, so. Yeah. before before many of the other universities in hong kong um yeah. and uh uh first of all why why what attracted uh the university to zoom in the first place uh i i can't answer on behalf of the university for that um <laughs> but i mean from my perspective as a teacher in the institution that did this um it was quite well supported and they were quite confident about the move and there are lots of mechanisms in place to support us as teachers. It happened very abruptly um, to some extent. Like we, we started about halfway through our second week of semester. Um, we had our, our sort of Lunar New Year holiday. And then at the end of that, it was announced that we'd have an extension of a week. And at the other end of that week, we'd switched to 100% online teaching with Zoom that most of us hadn't heard about. So I think the right. entire teaching and student body were kind of like, what, at this point. Um, but luckily, I mean, we have an amazing e-learning support team um, that um, really, like they provided um, several Zoom training sessions. They, they provided documents to help us with knowing the basic functions of Zoom. And then over the semester, they've provided more advanced sessions and training. Uh, and over the semester, they've provided sort of advice on turning your exams and assessments to online versions. So um, a lot of very valuable support from the university. So I think the, 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 there were a lot, there was quite good action to make this switch. And I think, um, so halfway through our second week, um, we we started this um, this this online teaching. So surreal in that we saw our students maybe for just one lesson before right. and never seen them again. Like they don't right, turn their, right. their videos on. So I know their faces and I know the occasional comedy photo they put up on their profiles. But other than that, um, I don't know much about the students. Yeah. Right. What, so, what's the general What's the general consensus so far uh, <laughs> among both the the students and <clears throat> teachers? Uh, now that you've been doing this for 12, 12 weeks, they've been using Zoom and yeah. um, mm. at PolyU, there's still some resistance on the part of students uh, to, yeah. to use Zoom. Yeah. Uh, but how about, how about at CityU? Do they, do they, do they like it? Do they, um, or, or what are their mixed, thoughts? Mixed, I suppose. I mean, I think judging, I mean, very anecdotally, students sometimes say they like it. They like the flexibility. They like being able to wake up just before a class and log on. And I think, depending on the nature of the person a lot like this sort of individual so i mean they, they might not be so comfortable in a class or responding and they being able to communicate through chat right written chat boxes secret mess secret messages private messages for the teacher um i think a lot of students appreciate that function that maybe encourage them to participate more than if they're in a classroom they had to talk in front of a class of 25 odd students so i think a number of students perhaps have have thrived a little bit especially you know, a great number of very 
tech oriented themselves so they're able to use a lot of this technology better than us and probably have, have done very well with it i think but then there are definitely others that see what a lot of the teachers see which is that just the difficulty of interaction and not having the classroom environment and maybe the more communicative activities that are possible especially i mean i think every teacher who starts online teaching their classroom management skills are reset almost to zero they have to relearn how to manage classes online with software that's not exactly designed for teaching um i mean zoom it has been very surprise surprisingly good i mean i think it's the the time i've heard the description fine more than any other time is describing teachers experience with using zoom i think most are pleasantly surprised that classes can be conducted pretty normally certainly at the tertiary level anyway i mean if there are teachers listening at the primary and secondary levels maybe they've been having different experiences but i mean i think sort of our adult tertiary learners generally treat this fairly in a mature kind of way and um they're able to have longer concentration levels and um focus levels mm -hmm. so um and less packed schedules perhaps than maybe in other levels of education but um yeah i mean it's 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 been surprisingly good and and good to push us to try different techniques with, with students i think yeah what kind of courses do you teach this semester um well here i mean in the elc at city u we we have some of our courses on general english for general academic purposes and um some for like english in the discipline the majority of our courses are split between those two mm -hmm. so my personal courses i'm split between some english for general academic purposes and some english uh in the discipline of social science and humanity yeah so eap uh, courses i think everybody Mm. has to teach one of those yeah <laughs> one most of these. People. yeah and i was uh i was just thinking this um like eap courses aren't extremely interesting to teach right <laughs> like for from the student point of oh, view I and also <laughs> really <laughs> okay well you, you, you must tell me how you teach your eap <laughs> courses so like even when it's face to face it, it's quite mm. challenging making it interactive making yeah. students see the significance of what they're learning the impact that could mm you know, bring to their university learning as well. I was just thinking like when you're thinking about taking a course such as EAP and putting it online, like taking away mm. the face-to-face -face element, taking away like the personal element, um, the personal charm of the teacher and things like that, yeah. it could become quite dull in, in a way um, yeah. because of the content. I was just wondering like from your experience this semester, yeah. uh, converting like an EAP course online, uh, do you discover any like best practices or biggest mistakes of doing that yeah i mean i think from my experience it's it's all come down to teacher sharing and working or having the opportunity to work with teachers who are really good at this stuff so we set up a couple of like teacher sharing sessions and various teachers shared their experiences um, so first of all, when we first switched to Zoom, we had several really enthusiastic teachers set up practice lessons where other teachers could log on as students and get the student experience, which is so important to see what the students see and to experience what it's like. And then we also get to learn from those teachers' tricks 
Um, and then we also, after like midway through the semester, had like a sharing session where um, like teachers, all teachers, most teachers would get together as a professional development and just share their experiences. Um, so I think I have been doing fine with um, my online teaching, but I think where I've, I've, I've done better than fine at, at various points is where I followed other teachers advice. So I think having opportunities to share practice is really good. And I think it comes down to using other learning tech outside of the core platform, like for us, Zoom. So I think knowing when to use it and when to use it well seems to be the key. So we use the intranet learning package of Canvas. So using some of those features like discussion boards, quizzes um, are really important. Using group writing packages like Google Forms, um, other team writing packages seem really valuable. Exploiting ways for students to communicate, maybe not through Zoom. They like to have a second platform open and I've seen teachers do that really well when I've observed some classes. And then bringing in things like Kahoot, um, Padlet. I mean, I've seen those used in normal teaching classrooms, like in physical classrooms, and they're great. But it's the first time I've used them in my own teaching this semester because I've suddenly realized that, especially in online, it's not just, say, an interest raiser, but it actually allows you to do things better than I could think of in any other way. So I've used Kahoot when I've needed to work with a text and maybe ask some questions about it, like setting it up as a like an online quiz like you can make a little test online and run it as a, a fun quiz um, and then you can use it quite creatively and it's kind of the best way I could think of to work through some questions so I think those things not only get the students involved um, it creates interest and it mixes up the activities a little bit so I think having some people who know how to do that well is invaluable and talking to them and setting up opportunities for teachers to share their problems and their ways of fixing those problems. So for me, that's where I've gained. And after I've gone to a couple of these sessions, I've applied these things um, really well. Yeah. So it seems like the best, the best is a mixture of both synchronous and kind of non-synchronous uh, instruction where some yeah. of it's delivered live through Zoom, but then they're also interacting on discussion boards uh, making use of other technology yeah. at the same time because a lot of your a lot of my, my online teaching consists of me talking to uh, a blank box or 25 names sitting in blank boxes occasionally asking something along the lines of are you listening and then getting some <laughs> thumbs up signals to say yep. <laughs> yeah <laughs> so i mean other ways of student nomination like uh, calling on names putting them into smaller groups like in zoom you've got the breakout rooms work to some extent but still they're quite tricky to make work well mm. so i think using other tech for me seems to have been getting the best results um mm. so so exploring with those things um mm. so i'm not an expert well, i haven't been an expert until late this semester and i've started following my colleagues advice mm. and i think your colleagues are the best place because they know what to do so finding those colleagues that are really naturally using these and they thrive. I think they are finding all kinds of interesting ways to do their teaching this semester. Mm -hmm. Yeah. As we're approaching, let's say the end of the semester and possibly the end of this podcast now, um, oh. I, I just have like this 
this uh, question for you, maybe on a more personal level, because mm-hmm. you, you were sharing how online teaching has been going fine for you and like for your <laughs> students as well. Just thinking maybe, do you have like this moment when you suddenly realized, oh, online teaching isn't that that scary or, or it mm. isn't, isn't that difficult. It's actually manageable or yeah. it's actually like from your students reaction or maybe it's something else, but like that moment when you realized, ah, we can actually all enjoy online teaching. Could you maybe just share with us whether or not you've had that experience or yeah. let you to think that? Definitely. Yeah. I mean, it, um, for me, it was, uh, three quarters of the way through my first week of online teaching of being totally nerve-wracked and paranoid and over-preparing for the best part of a week. And then suddenly realizing that, oh, wait a minute, I can kind of do most of the stuff I normally do without too much change. And it, it takes longer to prepare everything and to convert it into online files and tasks, especially when I'm used to classroom activities. But then you realize that actually I have just conducted, you know, three or four lessons and they seem to have gone well. And then sort of you ask the students and, and I think, especially as language teachers, especially in a tertiary setting, we have the option of focusing on communicative teaching more than um, in many other sort of more content driven courses where um, uh, harder to bring that in. So, so in our discipline specific courses, they're more content driven. So you have to think of other ways to deliver that content. But I think when you can focus on those communicative side, um those activities and then they they work okay and i think the students are trying to make them work and you realize what works and what doesn't work and students are quite forgiving at least in the first couple of weeks Mm -hmm. when you're getting to grips with things and you ask them and i give them little like you, you we have a poll function anonymous polls like did that just work and students can give you some anonymous feedback yes or no and um you can build more of it in and you, you come to that time three quarters of the way through your week, first week of doing this and you think, yeah, okay, I kind of know what's going on and it, it's fine. <laughs> and eventually I think when you get more adventurous, you can do better and better in this. So adapting and allowing yourself time to adapt. Yeah. So there you go. Yeah, it's fine. We all can do it. We all yes. can learn this. Yeah. yeah. Fine isn't just something they say about Zoom at PolyU. It could be our experience about online teaching, like all of us. Yeah, I guess when we look back on this this entire experience, uh, I guess we really will see, well, actually we managed and mm. we will all have maybe some moments that we shared with students online. And those yeah. will be really, really nice moments to know that, mm. hey, actually, um, it's it's been really challenging. Yeah. But we all had our takeaways and we'll have the summer to really learn from our mistakes and try yeah. to make it work in the coming semester. I think that's the that's the key and know yeah. that we go from managing to eventually, you know, teaching brilliant online classes. That are brilliant online classes. Yes. We're getting there. Yeah, 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 yeah. And really look forward to maybe having you back to share with us like the student feedback and how to teach brilliantly online. That could be the title next time. (laughs) Yes, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so thank you so much, Tim. Uh, Thank you for uh, coming to this podcast and sharing your ideas about assessments and online teaching with us. It's been great. Mm. And thank you, Eric, for being with us as well. Eric, always keeping things alive. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, thank yeah. you thank you Tim yeah it was great great advice uh, that you offered our listeners 
we look forward to having you back. So thank you for being with us. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Teachers Lift. Teachers Lift is a growing collaborative project created to help give teachers a space to share personal experiences and practices. This podcast is created by colleagues from the English Language Center at the Hong Kong Polytechnic University, the Center for Applied English Studies at the University of Hong Kong, and the Center for Language Education at the Hong Kong University of Science and Technology. We hope you can support this effort by letting us know you're listening. Just log in to teacherslift.com and find our links to most social media platforms where you can like and subscribe. If you subscribe to this podcast using the app of your choice, you'll be notified whenever we post a new episode. This episode was recorded on April 24th. Thanks for joining us today, and we'll catch you next time on Teacher's Lift.